G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And on a Tuesday, we love to get some insight and update as to what's happening in the Middle East, especially as those stories that are happening in countries surrounding the nation of Israel have a direct impact on Israel today. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines again overnight. He's back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, uh, let's start outside of Israel for a few moments here. There's a significant headline uh, all about Turkey. And, of course, uh, President Erdogan has won the presidential election there. Uh, But this win ushers in a new authoritarian presidential era. Yes, Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is taking on extensive new executive powers following his outright election victory uh, in Sunday's poll. Parliament has been weakened and the post of Prime Minister abolished as measures approved in a controversial referendum last year take effect. Defeated opposition candidate Murahim Inch said Turkey was now entering a dangerous period of one-man rule. Mr Erdogan polled nearly 53% in the mostly fiercely fought election in years. Mr. Inch received just 31%, despite a lively campaign attracting huge crowds. Mr. Erdogan, 64, has presided over a strong economy and built up a solid support base. But he's also polarised opinion, cracking down on his opponents and putting some 160,000 people in jail. The constitutional changes were endorsed in a tight referendum last year by 51% of the voters. They include giving the president new powers to directly appoint top officials, including ministers and vice presidents, intervene in the country's legal systems, impose a state of emergency. Mr Erdogan says his increased authority will empower him to address Turkey's economic woes and defeat Kurdish rebels in the country's southeast. We know that he's wanting a war with Christianity. Mm. Uh, Ron, that's a significant story, and no doubt we'll be following those things along closely and monitoring, as uh, you say, this new authoritarian presidential era. Uh, Let's come back to Israel having announced a plan to alleviate Gaza isolation uh, by building a shipping port in Cyprus. Yeah, what a controversial move. Defence Minister Avigdor Lieberman advanced a plan to build a port for Gaza in nearby Cyprus when he visited that country over the weekend. The report broke after US envoy Jason Greenblatt and Jared Kushner met with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu over the weekend and discussed humanitarian plans for the Gaza Strip. Lieberman's Cyprus port plan would include construction of a special pier for cargo ships carrying goods destined for Gaza. 
they would be checked with the help of an Israeli monitoring mechanism to ensure that no weapons were being smuggled into the Hamas-controlled area. After that, they would likely be sent to Gaza directly by ferry, given that the enclave lacks a port large enough for the docking of cargo ships. According to Channel 2 in Israel, the principles of the plan were agreed upon between Lieberman and Cypriot Defence Minister Savas Angelides. Within two weeks, work would begin on a detailed plan that would be presented within three months. Ron, we know that Iran is a supporter of a lot of the enemies of Israel, and there is a headline overnight where in Iran, as some listeners will be familiar, there's been some social unrest there, but protesters have been chanting death to Palestine during some protests in Iran. It doesn't seem to make sense. What does it all mean? Well, the Iranians protesting the country's tanking currency yesterday were heard shouting death to Palestine amid nationwide anger over the Islamic Republic's increasingly troubled economy. At a crossroads in central Tehran, police fired tear gas at dozens of youths, shouting slogans and throwing stones, eyewitnesses said, while traders in the Iranian capital's Grand Bazaar held a rare protest strike. Monday's protest in Tehran began at the capital's sprawling Grand Bazaar, which has long been a centre of conservatism in Iranian politics and where the Ayatollah's 1979 Islamic Revolution first gathered pace. Protesters there forced storekeepers to close down their shops yesterday. Videos posted to social media showed protesters chanting death to Palestine, no to Gaza, no to Lebanon, leave Syria and think of us. Chants of we don't want the Ayatollahs and death to the dictator were also heard at some rallies. The demonstrations indicate widespread anger at the regime for spending billions of dollars on regional proxy wars and supporting terrorist groups instead of investing on the struggling economy at home. Uh, it would seem the Trump sanctions are starting to bite. And, you know, it just seems to be a natural thing, doesn't it? Uh, people are suffering and they're seeing their government spending billions helping others uh, that they might feel a little bit jealous about that and say, how about us spend some dollars here and uh, get us out of our uh, challenges that we're facing? Uh, Ron, another headline about the United States and set to present a Middle East peace plan and interestingly, and perhaps controversially, with or without the Palestinian Authority leadership. Yeah, and I read this morning that the Palestinian spokesman, Saeb Erekat, actually told the conference at the weekend that the United States are actually offering the money they're withholding from the United Nations uh, to Arab countries uh, to, to uh, bypass uh, the Palestinian Authority. Jared Krishna, U.S. President Donald Trump's senior advisor, said that he's ready to work with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. However, Krishna added that if Abbas is not willing to cooperate, we are going to make the plan public. Krishna, who's married to Trump's daughter Ivanka, made the comments in an interview with the Palestinian newspaper Al-Quds, the Arabic name for Jerusalem. 
If President Abbas is ready to go back to the negotiating table, then we're ready to participate in the discussion. But if it's not the case, then we're going to make the plan public. In response to the assertion made by Abbas's spokesman that the American plan was a waste of time and is destined to fail, Kushner said he believed that the Palestinian leadership made such a statement because it's afraid that we're going to publish our peaceful plan directly to the Palestinian people. In the interview, which was headlined, I'm ready to work with Abbas if he wishes, and published in Arabic, Kushner spoke directly to the people. You deserve to have a bright future. Now is the time for both Israelis and Palestinians to strengthen their leaderships and refocus them to encourage them to open up towards a solution and not to fear trying, Kushner said. Well, it's another one to monitor very closely. Uh, so many great headlines in the news today, Ron. Let's come to one that's all about innovations introduced by Israel promoting biblical values. What's the story here? Well, it's reported by Israel breaking news, and they used Isaiah 55.11. They said, so is the word that issues from my mouth. It does not come back to me unfulfilled, but performs what I purpose, achieves what I sent it to do. Great verse. And they went on to report, according to Startup Nation's two authors, Dan Senor and Saul Singer, Israel, a young country of 7.1 million people, surrounded by enemies and in a constant state of war since its founding and lacking important natural resources, had, has produced more startup companies per capita than any other country. They attribute this economic growth and innovation largely to two factors, mandatory military service and immigration. But what they may underestimate is the uniqueness of Israel, the Jewish state, in its inherent desire to actualize Jewish and biblical values. Whether consciously or not, many of Israel's greatest startups promote biblical values and disproportionately change the lives of billions of people around the world. And I have some examples. Orchem, empowering the visually impaired. The, the scripture says, I am the Lord who called you with righteousness. I will strengthen your hand. I will protect you. I will set you for a covenant to the people, to be a light unto the nations, to open blind eyes, to remove a prisoner from confinement, dwellers in darkness from a dungeon. Isaiah 42, 6. Orkham's mission is to harness the power of artificial vision by incorporating pioneering technology into a wearable platform which improves the lives of individuals who are blind, visually impaired, and have reading difficulties, Ravi Fisher, Director of Media Communications of Orkham, said. Founded by the co-founders of Mobileye, the Israeli collision avoidance system leader and autonomous driving innovator, Orkham's founders brought to life in 2015 a finger-sized wireless device that can attach to eyeglasses and reads printed and digital text aloud. I want to go on to uh, the next example, Innovation Africa, bringing light unto the nations. Genesis 1-3, Hashem said, let there be light, and there was light. Innovation Africa brings Israeli know-how to Africa and has transformed the lives of over one million Africans. Their team has brought innovative Israeli solar and water technology to uh, African villages, providing access 
to vaccines, light and water. According to Innovation Africa, while the continent is twice the size of the United States, much of the population has never seen a light bulb. Only 34% of health facilities in the sub-Saharan Africa have reliable electricity access. This means that medical professionals often treat people in the dark and without refrigeration, there is nowhere to store various vaccines and medicines. Is Innovation Africa has changed that. And there's subplant, making the desert bloom. The scripture Isaiah 35.1, the arid desert shall be glad. The wilderness shall rejoice and shall blossom like a rose. Many Israeli companies in agrotech work to make the desert bloom. Subplant, based in Afula, not only make the Israeli desert bloom, but it also exports its technology worldwide in its vision of preserving the environment and humankind. And I've seen it for myself. It's amazing, the uh, beauty of the floral displays in Israel. And what we should be amazed by here, Ron, in listening to you share those illustrations of how those biblical values are uh, are, uh, are changing the lives of billions is that when we think of leadership, whether it's political or at an academic level, uh, those values instilled into people uh, really do make a difference in the way that they they do their business. And uh, so just powerful stuff to hear the way you're sharing that this morning. Ron Ross, always so good getting your insights. Thank you so much for scouring the headlines overnight, for bringing this update each week, and appreciate you being with us again today here on 2020. My pleasure. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.